what? Welcome to the show. This, this is our view from, from the bench. Well, welcome to the show and happy Friday. I'm Brendan, assistant water boy for the water polo team. And I'm Corey, team manager for the badminton team. Yeah, man. Happy Friday. How was your week? Happy Friday. Oh, it was good. Uh, can't complain too much. Uh, it was the last week. The only thing I can complain about is, is that it was the last week for swimming in the pool that I've been swimming in <laughs> for, the past, for the summer. So today was the last day there, closing it down because uh, school's starting, obviously, and it's the city pool that the university and Benita High uses. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so that's probably the only bad thing. Other than that, it was a fairly chill week. How about you? Yeah, same. Just worked uh, some day shifts, nothing crazy, no concerts or events this week, so just been kind of chilling. Obviously, now we're all just worried about surviving this crazy storm this weekend. <laughs> yeah, true. First time in California history, there's a tropical storm slash possible hurricane warning, and uh, yeah. I actually called my uh, friend in Florida. He lives in Tampa, so he's obviously kind of used to it. I was like, hey, what's, what is there that I need to know? <laughs> and he, to make a long story short, he basically kind of said, you know, first year he did everything. He did all the prepping that he thinks he could do, and it basically was a waste of stuff. And as he's gotten later, he's kind of dwindled it down. And now whenever there's something, he basically survives off five things. He gets water, bread, peanut butter, jelly, batteries, and alcohol. Okay, that was six things. I can't count. That's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so that's all. I guess all I'm just going to kind of get that. I mean, it's got to <laughs> be even more chill for us than it's than it is for him. So oh, yeah, I'm way more. It should be, should be fine. We should be fine. But, yeah, I hope uh, so. Yeah. So, uh, storm though over, uh, coming in New York, storming in is Dalvin Cook. Yeah, finally, finally decided. Signed. Yeah, to finally decided to sign after all this time. I feel like we've been waiting for this forever. Yeah, I feel like it's been coming, and we've just been. I'm guessing it's just really like they were just trying to work out the the contract details is is the thing. So. Uh, there's actually a little bit of controversy around those contract details, believe it or not. Uh, I kind of read into it a little bit, and it's kind of weird. I've never seen a contract really written this way. Not one that I've – let me just kind of put it this way. So per Mike Florio, the general idea is that it's a one-year deal with worth $7 million and about $1.6 million in incentives. Mike Florio said, though, that the contract actually ties – just under six million of those dollars, five point nine two, to him not being on the reserve or suspended list. He doesn't receive a signing bonus and has only a guaranteed base salary of one point zero eight million dollars. There's various incentives that he can get, like yardage, uh, yards from scrimmage, being on the active roster, and then actually helping the team win the Super Bowl. That would put it all the way up to up to eight point six two million dollars. But the reason why there's the money is tied to him uh, not being on that reserve suspended list is because Mike Florio noted that there's a pending civil lawsuit against him that alleges domestic violence. There haven't been any criminal charges, and Cook has actually in turn countersued the woman uh, who made the allegations and her lawyers, claiming defamation. Uh, he's also kind of trying to settle with her as well. So that's pretty intense. I didn't even know any of this was going on. Did you? No, I was going to say, as you were telling me that, I was like, wait, what? But also now it makes more sense why it took so long because obviously the, all the language they had to put into the contract for it to make sense mm -hmm. and get as much as he could but also cover themselves in case he is to get suspended for a game or two or whatever ends up happening. So I guess now I understand it more so, but 
again, this was one of those, I think we've been waiting for it to just kind of happen at some point. It's one of those when you see two people, you know they're going to get together and you're just kind of waiting out the time for it to happen. And hey, it finally happened. <laughs> hey, and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I think it was, uh, like we all kind of knew he was going there. Even when we reported that he visited, he stayed like multiple days yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it was almost like it was going to happen regardless. So um, I guess it just finally did. Uh, yeah. And then he is happy with all of the, I mean, I guess he understands, right? Yeah. You have to be, obviously he wanted to be there. If he, like you said, he stayed there for multiple days and hung out. If he didn't do that, he wouldn't have really wanted to be there. So to take his time and have his agent and then figure out these details so that, Again, it covers him. So if he does make the team and nothing happens, he makes enough. He makes a lot of money. If something does happen, he gets suspended. It covers the team, and it also he still gets something, but not as much as he would otherwise. So, in the long run, it's kind of a win-win situation, and you know it's it's all good from there. Another running back getting paid not as much as they probably want, but still getting something. Which, speaking of running backs, we have another running back that we finally saw signed. Ezekiel Elliott is going to the Pats, which would have never guessed that one. Yeah, well, I mean, good old Bill Belichick loves him the running game, doesn't he? Yeah, true, but I don't know. I, Based on the photos I've seen, it doesn't look like Ezekiel Elliott showed up in the best shape so far in camp. It almost kind of looks like one of those Harden things back in the day when uh, he was in Brooklyn and, like, all of a sudden he was not looking in shape. It was like he was in a fat suit, and then he got traded and he looked good. Like, I don't know if that's what's happening, but Ezekiel Elliott just – I don't know if he just wasn't ready for camp and didn't expect to sign this early or what, but I didn't see – what uh, New England definitely saw in signing him. Yeah, I think Bill Belichick is just trying to kind of stick to what he knows wins, which is his running game. He's a power runner, and I, I've, you know, you kind of say in the industry when when you're building the team, even for you know, especially skill positions like quarterback and running back, you try to get the backup to be similar, right, to the starter. And Ramondre Stevens is a Stevenson, I believe, is a is a downhill force runner. And that's kind of the way Zeke plays. So, you know, you're not necessarily – sometimes it's good to have differences because you have, you know, the, the lightning and the thunder. Uh, but sometimes when you build an offense, especially one as simple as I feel like the Pats do with uh, Mac Jones, it's, uh, I guess, something to be had. So, yeah, and maybe, maybe that's why. Yeah, and, and, I mean, Belichick's always been good with having these, like, veteran running backs come in there and do really well. But that also was with Tom Brady in a different kind of offensive scheme and with – I don't know who they ended up naming. Is it Bill O'Brien that's back as their offensive coordinator, right? So he knows how – I'm pretty sure he came back there. So obviously I think Mac Jones had him down in Alabama, so there's a connection there. So hopefully that will help Mac play better this year too to have a quarterback or a coordinator that knows like what his strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and I guess adding Ezekiel doesn't hurt. I just – at this point he's he hasn't been great the last couple of years in Dallas, so I don't really know if there's anything left in the tank and if New England maybe is just desperate at this point. Yeah, well, they gave him one year, $6 million. Uh, I don't know if that shows desperation. That seems to be pretty kind of standard, I guess, pretty low. I mean, but it's actually quite layered, okay? So not only was the Dalvin Cook something because it had that weird contingency on him, you know, with the, with the lawsuit and stuff, but but Zeke's is actually $6 million bucks. Yeah, mm-mm. It's it's very much it's not that. Let me get into the nitty gritty here. Ready? All right. <clears> let me see, see if I can try I, to get it here. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Catch yourself together. Elliot's one year deal, which originally was reported as a one year deal worth up to six million dollars, actually includes a six hundred thousand dollars signing bonus and a base salary of one point five five million dollars. Okay. It includes an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar per game roster bonus, 
it, that's total if he were to play all, all of them. And up to $3 million in incentives. So he has to be on the active roster for all the games, and he'll get another $850,000. But here's the where it gets kind of crazy. <clears throat> gets $300,000 for hitting 975 yards from scrimmage, 1,100 yards, 1,225 yards, 1,350 yards, and 1,475 yards. Each one, he gets an extra $300,000. So if he hits each one, that'll be $1.5 million. He also gets another $300,000 for 50% of offensive snacks, 55, 60, 65, 70. So if he plays all the 70, he'll get another $1.5 million. And that's basically how he gets all the way to the $6 million. Woo, man, I don't even know how you got through all that. <laughs> that's, a, that that's a lot of round and round and round to get to just tell me how much it's he can get. a lot of get. writing in this contract. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not an agent. I can tell you, especially in the NFL with the non-guaranteed <laughs> deals, like these contracts get really, really complicated so i'm glad i'm never gonna have to deal with it but thank you for telling me all those details man yikes i just learned more than i uh, what, ever so what's he hitting then what you think he's getting uh well let's see 975 yards from scrimmage yeah i can see that right? i can see that 1100 might be pushing especially depending on their offense and how it goes because they don't really have any wide receivers so if it's going to be a lot of running then i don't know if zeke is especially if zeke's not like the number one back necessarily 1100 might be hard, but 975 should be good, and I think he should be able to get that. Yeah, I agree. I'm guessing he's he does stay under a thousand yards, so the 975 is going to be close to him. But I don't really feel like he plays 50, 55, say all these snaps from the field. I just don't think he does that because I mean, unless Ramondre Stevenson gets hurt, knock on wood, I don't want anybody to get hurt. That guy's a workhorse. He doesn't really need now. You know, Bill's going to do whatever he wants. He doesn't just listen to what Ramondre Stevenson might want. But I just feel like he's going to get half of them. But also, it could be that Belichick also plays each game and each uh, team they go into every week as matchup to matchup based. So there could be games where maybe Ezekiel's style of play is better suited against an opponent. So then he gets more running and attempts that game instead of the other guy. Like that. That's I mean. That's how they've always been famous for is they adapt their offense to their opponent more than they just run their offense and have their opponents try to figure out how to stop it. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess for Zeke, he's going to be hoping that he is the option or the main option for as many games as possible because the the money that he's getting is basically only tied to incentives. Half the contract is tied to incentives, and uh, another million of it is just tied to him being on the roster. So, well, then you got to think. I, I don't. Huh? I was gonna say, then you gotta think if he, if you're Ezekiel, if it's all incentive based, this is gonna hopefully be one of his best years. Because otherwise, if you can't do anything and you make no money, this is your last straw. This is it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, at least for big money, for sure. In the millions of, I mean, you might be able to sign like some minimum contracts that somebody needs a third stringer, or, or like you said, if people getting hurt. If if a running back room is falling like 49ers quarterbacks, then he might be called upon. You know, so Good point. Good point. that's kind of to your point. <laughs> that's might be one of the only uh, instances where he's able to kind of get get in. Yeah. Other than that, I think this is one of the last stops for sure. Yeah, this has got to be it. And I mean, he had a good run in Dallas the first couple of years, that second contract that he got and then just never was the same after the first year or so of it. And I don't know if obviously Dak not being great and them not being great as a team is all part of it, but usually the Cowboys have a good offensive line, so that can't be the main issue at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, true. But they, like you said, Dak was just being mediocre. I won't say he's bad, but he's average, right? They just stack the box, especially when they know they're in a running either formation or, or you know, point in the game where they're, where they're just kind of 
not the pass isn't work and just stack the box and stop the guy that you know i mean look at these highlights that you're seeing on the screen he was good it's yeah not like he's a bad player he's just not what he was once was so yep. it's just coming down to like a matter of that you know unfortunately it all comes to an end for some of them yeah yeah, true. Uh, another end that happened actually this offseason was the end of Aaron Rodgers over in Green Bay. Uh, another more Jets news, obviously. Uh, we discussed it a little bit. Did we discuss it before? I don't think we think, did, actually. I don't know if we did on here or not. I know we discussed it in general, but we might not have done it on the podcast. I think we probably didn't because we thought it was probably going to go away, kind of quickly, <laughs> but it basically didn't. So uh, sh- to catch everybody up, because most of you probably know, Sean Payton, the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, was talking about uh, how he's going to handle the Broncos this season. And he also had some comments a while back about how they were handled last season. He just kind of says that not everything is Russell Wilson's fault. A lot of people obviously put pressure on him because he was the star quarterback in Seattle. And then he's coming over here. He's supposed to be the same thing. And he was absolutely awful last year. Probably the worst uh, season of his career. In short, he basically says, but everybody's got a little stink on their hands. It's not just Russell. It was a poor offensive line. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in, in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. And that's where it really started. Yeah, and it's kind of weird to even have a coach call out another coach like that. I don't think I've – I don't really remember that ever happening before. But for him, to, for especially Sean Payton, I feel like of all coaches, that's not somebody I would expect to do that. But he – said what he said i mean the, and it was right there live during the post not post game presser but presser in general and then rogers obviously defending his guy nathaniel hackett who's his offensive Is coordinator in yeah of course he's the offensive coordinator in the jets now he was in green bay before he was the coach last year in denver when it went terrible and Part of the thing is, I think when they hired Nathaniel Hackett last year, I think they also thought they might get Aaron Rodgers in a trade. And if that was the case, yeah, then that changes everything of how the things go in Denver last year. But obviously, the Packers didn't want to trade Aaron at the time, so game plan went to Russell Wilson. But I don't think that was a good idea at all. And obviously, that's yeah. what the results showed. I don't think Hackett would have been good even with Aaron Rodgers. I just don't know if he – not everybody's really cut out to be a head coach, or at least the pressure was really on that time, you know? True. Um, this one, he's obviously the pressure's back off. He's back in the role where he excels as an offensive coordinator that has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. So uh, I don't see, I don't see it going that bad this year. He gets to focus on just the one thing that he 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 was, you know. So uh, to note, the Broncos went five and twelve last year. That's why that's what he was uh, kind of going. Yeah, with. again, they didn't do very. The story well. continues though. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, defending Nathaniel Hackett. He's the he helped him win two MVPs over in Green Bay. So obviously has his back fires back at Peyton when, when asked about it by the press saying, I think it's, I think it was way out of line inappropriate. And I think he needs to keep my coach's name out of his <laughs> mouth, pulling a little bit of Will Smith right there. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, very witty guy. So uh, you, who, what, what do you make of all this? I guess. Uh, it's just weird. Cause it started out as like a coach's beef almost, but that since Hackett's not the head coach, he probably doesn't do any press conferences. So then Rogers then has to, you know, defend him in a sense and say something. And now we've got almost like a back and forth. Cause they're going to play each other. I think week four or five, we looked it up. So it's only going to continue or get weirder. And like as they had the preseason, they didn't play each other in the preseason, but during a preseason game, there was the jets had, who was it? it was like their, their young kid, Garrett Wilson during the game or yeah. he's already out of the game as a rookie. He's already played or young kid. He's already played a couple uh, downs. So he's in like a bucket hat, sunglasses. He's doing a game interview, like during the game on the sideline, just chilling, having a good time. Like 
It's preseason, man. What are we worried about? And again, Peyton, for some reason, decides to make up his rules for his players that moving forward, they are when they're pulled out of a preseason game, you have to keep your uniform on. You can't wear sunglasses. You can't wear bucket hats. You can't do interviews during the game, which is literally everything Garrett Wilson did. So by just doing those little subtle things, it's only going to add fuel to the fire. Exactly. I'm just so we're on the same page. He Garrett Wilson learned about these rules for the Broncos starters during preseason games. And and it was Garrett Wilson who is actually reacting to oh, Okay, it. that makes this it even is kind better. Of like the troll <laughs> job. Yeah. As we can see what we're showing here. He says starters shouldn't be wearing caps, sunglasses. They need to make sure that they're wearing their uniforms and they don't take any interviews during the game. Well, as you can see in the background, the game's still on. <laughs> he's a starter he's not wearing his jersey he's got his hat and his sunglasses on and it just gets even better you know that's that's what the uh that's what the the trolling is all about right so i can't wait for these two to play each other because they actually do this season they we get to watch it all unfold week five october wow. 8th it's actually in denver oh who do you think wins that game man i was really hoping it was going to be in new york <laughs> um <laughs> Well, it makes it that funnier nice, that, right? that those were the rules beforehand. I thought it was the other way around, but it's even funnier that it's Wilson reacting to those rules and doing everything opposite after mm-hmm. they've already had their little kind of back and forth. So it's going to make it great. The fact that it's in Denver gives me a slight thought that Denver will win. But then again, I feel like this Jets team kind of feels like uh, Brady's last year, well, first year, I should say, in Tampa when they just mm-hmm. kind of brought all his friends over and somehow it worked. They had a good defense. The Jets have a good defense. Although the NFC South was much weaker than the AFC East is, but I still think it's just it's kind of got that vibe where they're going to be in it come at least AFC playoffs, at least conference title game, maybe. So I would I'm expecting the Jets to somehow go into Mile High and steal that game. Yeah, I I would love to see it because I th- <laughs> I kind of side with the with the with the Jets on this a little bit. I don't really have a dog in the fight, so I don't I don't really care either way. Um, but. It's it just didn't need to be brought up, I guess, right? Yeah. He did go back, he is in Sean Payton. He did go back and say, you know, he didn't he regrets he doesn't regret that he said it or like what he said. He's not taking it back per se, but he regrets that he said it. He felt like he was back in the studio and had his broadcaster cap on instead of his mm-hmm. coaching cap on. So yeah, that was kind of his like little apology to kind of try to squash it. But I don't know. I think they made a big deal out of it and uh I think it's fun that the I honestly kind of forgot Peyton. I forgot Peyton took a year off and did like some TV stuff. That actually makes a lot more sense that he was more candid because before he would never talk about anything when his coaching career. But yeah, having a year off and being behind the camera all the time as or a that you're supposed to give your yes, opinion, exactly. And somebody asked him, yourself. so he exactly. gave his opinion, but was just the wrong place at the wrong time more so than the wrong thing to say exactly or that wrong yeah, thing so. that he was thinking. Exactly, and I don't even care that that is his opinion. Yeah, I, no, the, I want people to have the. He should be able to have that opinion. I don't have that problem, but yeah, I guess the whole it's just wrong, and, and wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, just it's just a weird one because you had nothing to do with the games last year. You didn't coach anywhere. It's not like you played against yeah. Denver and beat them bad and knew like it was really bad here. Like I saw it yeah. when we played them. You had nothing to do with it. So again, it's kind of an apology, but not really. But it gets us away from the controversy of it all. So. Which moving on to another controversy, which is this is just getting yeah. weirder and weirder. I feel like every day, and it's only continue. It's going to only continue to do so. This Michael Orr controversy thing is just weird. Like it's all starting back when he says he was before senior year. They said they had him sign uh, paperwork to adopt him, or so he believed. Uh, instead, it puts him in a, it put him in a conservatorship, so the 
family that took him in basically was in charge of making his decisions for him as far as financial stuff and signing all his contracts. But I don't know. The movie obviously was a big deal and won an Academy Award, or at least I believe Sandra Bullock did for it. So obviously the story, but this was a long time ago that the movie came out, so it's just kind of weird that all this controversy and all this information is coming out now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's not really playing anymore, so maybe he... I don't know how much he made in the league. Maybe he needs some cash, or he maybe he just feels like he deserves it. It, it gets really messy, dude. I'll try to kind of sum it up a little bit about what he's alleging. The Or basically alleges in the in the court filing that he made no money from the movie, and that they, the... Tuies, I think. The Tuies, thank you. I couldn't remember the last name. The Tuies took home two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for just being in the movie, or not them, but you know, for their story. Yeah. And an additional two point five percent of whatever the net profits would be. Well, that turned out to be three hundred million dollars. So give him seven and a half Woo. million dollars. And he's alleging that they basically kept him out of that. However, they allege that they didn't do anything wrong that they have been splitting the checks where whatever they got with Michael. And he's actually just kind of demanding up more because he wants more money. He actually is asking for a larger settlement than what they've even made, at least according to the numbers that I read. He's asking for tens of millions of dollars from them. He says that he's, or they say that he's threatened uh, to, to like threaten them. Uh, he's refused to cash their checks that they have sent him as part of like the protest. Um, and they also say that he's done this before, uh, I guess a handful of times, but he's mm. really has a hard time finding a lawyer to kind of keep pushing it through. I don't even know who to believe anymore. Uh, I mean, I just hope that the right thing is done because I don't know what is right. Dude, that's part of the problem with these stories like this. Like you see like the movie came out or the book came out. It's like a great heartfelt story. We all love it and feel you know glad about it and happy about those family doing those things. But I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, maybe they were looking out for him because they were looking for to make money off him. Like that was their whole get from the from the start. They were just looking to make money off of him. But if you look back at them, they already had money from before. It's not like they were living in poverty and then he made money for them and they are now rich people. From what I've read and been able to find out, they had already had money of their own selling like franchises of like a, a restaurant or something. So mm. it, it, there was no money like that wasn't the main concern. And like we talked about, it said something about a conservatorship. If that was the case, then when he made the NFL, didn't they have to sign all his contracts in order for him to be able to legally sign them with the Ravens when he got drafted? Like that's part yeah, of conservatorship, right? Yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I don't know the legal parts of a conservatorship, but according to him, yeah, they would have to know about all the contracts and stuff because he basically can't do anything. He not his own. That sounds terrible, especially if race is involved, but his rights and stuff are he's basically signed away. Yeah. It's on, like the Britney Spears thing that we just went through where her mom, her exactly. dad was in charge of everything exactly. money wise and contracts for work was related. Like she wasn't able to make those decisions on her own for whatever exactly. mental reasons. Yeah. But that's the other thing too, is they talked about, I don't know if you remember them. Did you see the movie one side when it came out? I yeah, think I, course, okay. Right. I think I've seen it like once or twice. So they obviously like portrayed it. him as like kind of a slow guy, like not a, a good, not quick at learning things and taking a long time to understand the concepts. But it turns yeah. out that's not really the case, which, again, it was based on a true story, so it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. But, like, if he wasn't as, like, if he wasn't as he was portrayed in that sense, then he would have been a little more smart, you think, or caught on to one of these things. And like you talked about, if, if they mentioned he's done this before and they've tried to give money and he hasn't cashed it, then maybe there's something else that went down between them as a family and him as an individual that we don't know about. And it's, like, something yeah. way worse. And once it goes into court, maybe we'll get to that point. But then you mentioned... 
he's never been able to have a lawyer to keep pushing to get past that point. And maybe that's part of it. He doesn't have the money to afford to even go to court and continue to fight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what, like I said, I don't even know who to believe or what to really make of it. I'm looking forward in a, not in like a excited sense, but to kind of seeing what the resolution is. Cause I'd love to hear like, you know, what the truth is basically. Yeah, absolutely. So, Cause again, it's uh, just going to get crazier and crazier the more that leaks out. So until we officially get an answer to all this, it's just going to be a lot of crazy facts coming out. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is a good offensive lineman. He obviously made it to the NFL. So I guess we will see. I know a defensive lineman that's trying to make it into the NFL right now, CJ Okoye. Um, Love this story. He, uh, huh? Yeah, great story, right? He obviously is uh, in the news a lot lately because he was playing for the Chargers recently. They had a preseason game against the Rams, and he got the first sack of his career. Granted, preseason, but they got the first sack of his career when he was able to go ahead and get uh, Stetson Bennett uh, for the sack. Uh, you, did you see it? Yeah, I did, actually. And the it, it's just a cool story because, obviously, once we get into the details here, you look at it, he's originally from, was I think it's Nigeria, right? Like, he's not mm-hmm. from here. He's never played football before. He's never played organized football, he said. he's This is his first real game. And not only that, like, they talked about it, and we'll play an interview here in a minute with Rich Eisen where he talks about he didn't even realize some of the rules of the game itself that he was playing as he's playing it in his first game ever. It was just an awesome thing to see and to see the teammates after in the post game, like just give him the game ball and everything and just be super excited for him. is just awesome. Nice. Yeah. Well, he, we will show you the sack. Yeah, we got to show the sack, which don't get deeped out like you did when we watched it earlier on the first trackle <laughs> or his first attempt by the other guy. Oh, there he is. <laughs> got him. First sack of his career. In fact, from what I read, he didn't even know it was a sack. He thought he just tackled him because he thought that a sack means he had to be inside of the uh, tackle box. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, so it tells you how but, much he uh, literally doesn't know about the sport as he's playing it. Yeah, no, he literally just started playing. The first time he ever really even seen it because he had seen a bunch of stuff like on, you know, the internet or TV, YouTube, probably. Seen American football, YouTube, all that kind of stuff, exactly. But the first time he actually started playing it was in January of 2023. Uh, like, this January. I was just going to say, you said ago. of 2023, like I was like, wait, yes. wasn't it as like the, this year? <laughs> yeah, the first time he played the game of American football was in January of this year, and he just got a sack in an NFL preseason game. Wow. And I mean, it's all, I mean, let's be honest, the, the NFL has been trying to be better about inclusion and getting more people involved and more opportunities. So having this NFL international player pathway program that they have allowed him to even have an opportunity to like, do like those workouts. I'm assuming back in January, they gave him an opportunity and now he comes to camp. And even if he doesn't make the team, it's just an awesome story for him to go from basically not knowing what the sport is to playing in a game less than nine months later and getting a sack, which again, it's preseason, but in general, that's just an amazing story. I'm I'm just happy that they that they were able to like even find the guy. You know what I mean? Like, like to you said, like, like you said, the, uh, the international program, it's, it's cool that you know technology is expanding and just the idea that all of this stuff is you know you're able to find these talents you know they're taking the time to go and do it and all that kind of stuff so i think it's cool that it's uh it's spreading like that yeah absolutely and the more they do the international games where they play in mexico they play in london they play in germany like they're gonna i'm assuming at some point try to get every continent or country at some point to just to get nfl everywhere and get everybody to see it and be all about it which will just 
help and continue to grow the international player program that they've already started and already seen dividends come out of it at this point as we see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I know you talked about having the, um, the interview, so let me see if I can bring that up. So we'll check it out. How did you first come across American football, CJ? Yeah, I've been watching some movies on YouTube about football. I wasn't interested. I didn't even know we have football because it's called American football, you know? So, yeah, I thought you only do it when you're in America. What was your first tryout for football like? It wasn't that good because I didn't even know what I was doing. I started training as a football player in January. <sighs> of this year? January of this year, 2023? Yes. On Saturday night in SoFi Stadium, your first organized football game of your life. Yep, that's right. I didn't even know that we switched after every quarter, you know? Uh-huh. Like goalposts and stuff. I, I didn't even know that. If you don't mind, explain to me um, from your point of view when you came up with the sack of, of Stetson Bennett. <laughs> I just wanted to do something, you know? Sure. Believe me when I tell you, I didn't even know that was a sack. I didn't know. Like, I thought he was out of the pocket, so I thought that was a tackle or something. Then a teammate of mine just walked up to me and said, yo, you just got a sack. I was like, what? You know, I just went crazy. and I did my dance. I saw the moment in the locker room, too, when you got the game ball. What, what was that yeah. like for you? I've gotten, like, so many things in my life. I've never thought that I would ever get a game ball. I didn't even know, like, most people know my name, you know? So I didn't want to cry. I won't lie, I didn't want to cry, but I really wanted to cry. That moment was like, the dream come true was everything you ever hoped for in this life, put to one. Dang, that's so crazy, man. I, I think that's, I mean, here we kind of basically said some of the stuff that he said, but hearing it straight from him, just kind of hearing the passion that's in his voice and how excited he is to just even to have this opportunity to be here. Uh, I think it's cool. You think he makes the cut or? No, he probably won't make the team, but I'm, I would think at this point, if he's done that much progress in that short amount of time, you're going to at least keep him on the practice squad and kind of see how things go. And then, I mean, since it's a defensive lineman, it, injuries happen throughout the season. Maybe he gets called up for a game and has a couple plays or plays a couple snaps at least. And then they see what he's got. And then if he's not, you know, producing, then you can always just put him back on the practice squad. That's like kind of like the G league thing in the NFL. You have that opportunity to kind of pull him up and down. So maybe we'll get to see him at some point later in the year because of injuries, but I would think at least to start he's going to be on the practice squad. Well, hopefully the Chargers keep him. That'd be cool. He's local here, obviously. That means we'd get to kind of see him a little bit more often and uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, I'd be that'd be great if he kind of stayed around here. Ah, I hope he makes a team, uh, at least in some way, shape, or form, like you said. if it's, I never wish injuries upon anybody, but of if that's what kind of gets him the thing, then – Hopefully the person heals quickly, but kind of showcases his talent and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm thinking excited for football season. Man. Yeah, so I'm hoping like by week eight or nine in the schedule you might see him, just because like I said, injuries and things happen, or they might just give him an opportunity just because. Yeah, that's very true. Love to see him. Uh, excited for football season. Excited. This is the best time of year, man. Getting yeah. out of summer and getting right getting into, into all our, sorts of things. Oh, October's the best time of year. We get all the sports going, which now we have the NBA schedule as well. Now that it's finally been yes. released. We finally yes. get this instead of just them sprinkling in like opening night and Christmas and everything. We actually get the full schedule. So again, yeah, it's all back to normal here. We got the NBA Cup schedule mixed into it, which we'll discuss in a second. Uh, like I talked about, opening night, the Nuggets get to you know hoist their banner for the first time, and they're going to do it against the Lakers. So I kind of like them having us start there, and I think it's a good 
good for the league to have that rivalry in a sense kind of continue from last last year at the end and kind of carry over in the beginning. Finals. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mike Malone talking a lot of smack in the out in the off season about winning and how they were like the Lakers' daddy. I think is what he talked about. So having them, so annoying. yeah. So I think seeing that and that matchup, and again having them raise the banner for the first time, might hopefully be some motivation for the Lakers. And banner nights are always weird. I feel like the teams that host the banner up that night don't always win. So hopefully that's a good sign for the Lakers. Yeah, you've seen that picture I showed you when we were talking about this. That picture of LeBron watching the Warriors get their ring after uh, at the beginning of this season, basically. Yeah, you talked about it. I, was, I didn't know what you were talking about, and he was just like frozen, just like ugh. So. Yeah, I mean, just sitting there just like, that's supposed to be mine. <laughs> right? So, I like the fire, man. I like the fire. Well, up on the screen, we do have, uh, I know you talked about opening night, but we do talk about Christmas. That's like one of the big days where it's just a sit around and watch a basketball kind of day. At least it is most of the time for me. Absolutely. I know we'll bring it up in a little bit. Lately, because Christmas has been falling on Sundays and Mondays and stuff, there's been the NFL, but most of the time Christmas is a basketball day. So, uh Day opens up with the Bucks at the Knicks, followed by the Warriors and the Nuggets. Lakers host the Celtics. I hate saying that word, but I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> Sixers are in Miami, and the Mavericks are in Phoenix. That Luka Booker matchup to close the night. I always love that. It's the first time that we've played the Sixers, I believe there was a stat I heard the other day is uh, the Sixers, I'm sorry, the Celtics <laughs> on Christmas Day in like 17 years or something like that. So wow. uh, it's been a long time since they've tried they put this on Christmas Day. So wow, really that long? That's crazy. I feel like there they yeah. would have been one with KG in them at some point, but I guess that didn't happen. Mm-mm. Wow. Not or are we that old and it's been almost no? It's only been 13 years. Yeah, I was like, okay. for no, 17 years. Right? <laughs> hey, dude, sometimes time flies, man. The older I get, it just keeps going. You so. know what? Yeah, I agree. But the best part about the Christmas Day schedule for the NBA now that they have five, because remember back in the day it was like three games or two games mm-hmm. at all, and then they went to four and five. I mean, it's 12 o'clock the first game, but that's Eastern. So for us, we wake up at nine o'clock on Christmas Day, and there's already basketball going. Basketball. Right? That's the best part. It's the West Coast is the best coast. Yes, absolutely. And they start at nine a.m. and they're gonna go until what? At least what starts? The last game starts at seven thirty. So nine thirty, ten o'clock. We're just gonna have basketball on all day, back to back. I love it. Yeah, same, same. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, in between all these basketball games, we have a couple NFL football games uh, at ten o'clock in the morning. So you know they're very competitive. They don't really care. They're going to play whenever they want to play, and the NFL is going to pull the numbers. So yeah, uh, Raiders at Chiefs, of course, nice rivalry game. Ten o'clock in the morning, Christmas Day, not like it. Another rivalry game. We got the Giants at the Eagles at one thirty. And then the nightcap of 515 game is the Ravens at Niners. Ooh, uh, I bet he's not there anymore, but that's used to be a rivalry when the brothers were coaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm, I can't wait. That's just basketball and football all day on a Monday. And just like you said, it's Christmas Day, so we're going to be eating leftovers probably from the night before and just chilling on the couch. Oh, it's going to be so nice. Oh, you know what that I just yeah. realized, though? I'm not going to be in California for Christmas this year. Gonna, oh, yeah, you're right. You're I'm going to be, be in Ohio. Ohio. So you don't even get to enjoy these. Oh, <laughs> I just got all wait. excited for the 9 a.m. start time, and I don't even get to enjoy it myself. I have to wait till the 12 o'clock. Oh, That's hilarious. Man, that oh. is some sad news right now for myself. <laughs> oh, well, you'll live. Oh, man, it's okay. Anyway, so now that we're back to the NBA schedule and going on to it, the, obviously there's a bunch of national games. That's always the biggest talk is who has the most mm-hmm. Warriors the most with 41, Lakers with 40, Celtics 34, and then the Nuggets and Knicks round out the top couple teams. Nuggets with 30, Knicks with 25. I'm actually kind of surprised the Nuggets didn't get more as the defending champions. 
because nobody wants to watch the Nuggets, dude. <laughs> Just because they won doesn't mean anybody cared. You know what I mean? That's true. Like, honestly, I truly feel as soon as the the conference finals were over, as soon as the Celtics and the Lakers were out, basketball was over last year. I mean, I yeah, honestly true. didn't watch. I liked. I, I saw highlights. I saw that Miami was trying to stay in it, but they just got overwhelmed. So, but like I said, just because they're, they're the champs doesn't mean anybody cared. So I get it. Everybody wants to watch Steph Curry. Everybody wants to watch how that's going to work out with Chris Paul. Yeah, everyone oh, wants man. to watch LeBron James and the Lakers, right? I mean, I get it. I get it. Celtics are next as well. Biggest, second biggest franchise, of course, behind us. I'll claim it. Sorry, laugh. Yeah. So I guess I guess uh, we'll see how that kind of plays out. But I love it because I don't have um, whatever the Lakers super Spectrum, fun yeah. channel is. Yeah, Spectrum Sportsnet. Thank you. Couldn't forget. Couldn't remember. I don't have it. So the more nationally, again, still even it cuts out there. But the more nationally televised games, the better for me. So yeah, same here. I don't have the channel either. So I'm with you there. Want to have as many Laker <laughs> games on national TV as possible. And to be honest with you, a lot of the time, what happens is because they share the arena with the Kings and the Clippers. The Ducks usually end up having the same home night games the Lakers do because the Kings have to play the same opponent in that day or two after or before. So, mix. Uh, so like, mm-hmm. usually on Wednesday, Friday, if the Ducks are playing and they're at home and the Kings are also at home that weekend, that means the Lakers are probably playing Wednesday, Friday. So I'm not even home to watch it gotcha. regardless. So, you know, I'm lucky That's to right. see a game when I can at that point. But but I always like to look at these or when they talk about the different features of the schedule of, like, the most back-to-backs and three games in four days and all that kind of stuff. So... The one yeah. that came out to me, which this is the I think this is the interesting for one for sure, is the Clippers have the most three games in four days with twenty five, and they're the most like brittle. Yeah, that's the nice way to put it. Although I know Tyron Lewis talked about they're gonna have to be they're gonna have to take the regular season more seriously for Kawhi and Paul George. But if you're gonna sure. be doing load management, and you have three games in four days, twenty five times. One, it's gonna be hard within those times when it happens, but that also means you're gonna have bigger gaps of breaks somewhere else that you can make up for that time, right? I guess they just want all the time off. Bro. Just, just <laughs> tell me when the playoffs are, and then I'll try to play at least one series. You know, <laughs> that's basically the mo. Um, I don't know, dude. They just need to. If if they don't win, which I'm praying they don't this year, I really was hoping they would get James Harden because that would basically be a nail in the coffin for them. It's not uh, over yet. The trade deadline is all the way in <clears> March. <throat> so, and, I mean, true. KD last year wanted the trade to Phoenix right away, and then they didn't do it till later. So it could be the same situation. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess yeah. So, but I'm hoping that they they just figure it out. And just just break it up. I don't know who you want to keep. Keep whoever you think is better. But just pick one, and then just let the other person just go walk. Nah. I think the easier one, if they want to. Wait, you say no? Nah, let it explode, man. Let it all blow up because this is their last year at crypto too. I'm not saying that's what I want <laughs> as a Laker fan. I'm just saying like if I'm trying to advocate for the franchise, oh, I just guess. like get rid of one because it's not working, bro. Yeah, no, I agreed on that. If you're trying to fix the situation, you have to pick one or the other because you can't. That's what I'm saying. Because if you trade one, even if you get something for him, it's not going to be what they are. When, But the other thing is maybe those guys will actually play and you'll have more depth and be able to actually win games in the regular season. Rest management is one thing when it's one guy on a team, but when you're doing it two or three or four guys deep, it just and gets you're all your best players. Yeah, and you don't ha- and yeah, and your depth is good in the regular season, but if you end up in the 6 or 7 seed, then why not have them play an extra 5 or 10 games apiece and maybe be the 4 or 5 seed cuz last year with its standings, I think from 4 to 7 or 4 to 8 or 9 was like all a jumble. So playing an extra 8 to 10 yeah. games can make a huge difference in the standings. Yeah, agree. Yeah, four was the the spot where the Suns were. They had a little cushion, but yeah, five through like thirteen on the West was 
like two games apart, yeah, exactly. three games apart, yeah. almost the whole season. It was nuts. So uh, moving on to different piece of the schedule, we got the Lakers, best team in LA. Oh, yeah. They have 15 back-to-back games. So that means Anthony Davis is missing at least 15 games, right? I mean, if we're going with the way things went last year, that's the case. So that means we're down to 67. And then let's be honest, there's probably going to be like, I would think anywhere from five to 10 games where he is sore or just needs the extra time to rest or they had a three game and four day stretch. So maybe he took the second game of a back to back, but also took the next game two days later off. So maybe he ends up only playing like 60, 60 games, which is fine. That's Mm -hmm. enough. But it's just funny that the 15 back to back right off the top, you're like, well, then that's 15 games. He's not playing. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's gotta be, which to be honest with you, if we get the AD that showed up in the playoffs, that's fine with me. I'll take really 16. Care. I'll take 60 to 65 games of that guy. Exactly. I want that dude. That's no problem. I want the uh, yeah. If as long if that means that you know, like I said, if that's what it means is that he needs to sit the back-to-backs, let's do it. Do what you got to do. So Bleacher Report did – I'm not the guy that's going to sit through 82 games and try to figure out, okay, <laughs> did they win this one? Did they win that one? Did they yeah, win this one? It's a little one? harder with the NBA schedule compared to NFL, huh? <laughs> yeah, NFL, I can sit there for 17 and try to figure something out, but I'm not going to sit here for 82. So went to Bleacher Report and kind of saw what their predictions are. Uh, they basically – throw it up on the screen. This is basically the top five. I'm not going to give you the whole list, but I'm going to give you the top five from each conference and the record that they are kind of assuming. And I'll explain the order for the ties in a second. Uh, they're giving it to the – I wouldn't say – I was about to say rating Eastern Conference champs, but I forgot they, <laughs> they lost to the Heat. So giving it to the people who have basically been there for a while. Celtics, they're just putting them at 52 and 30. Got the Heat and the Bucks tied at 50 and 32. I gave the edge to the Heat because, well, they beat the Bucks last year. And then they have the Knicks and the Cavs coming in at uh, 48 and 34. Same idea. Gave the Knicks the edge because they beat the Cavs in the head-to-head last year. So do you disagree with this, Con? This seems pretty legit to me, top five. Well, I think part of my issue with it is the Miami one, and that's only because last year they were, what, a seven or eight and had to do the play-in games just to get into the playoffs. So if they haven't done the Dame Lillard trade and they're basically the same team, if not worse, because they lost Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, how are they ranked up to get to 50 wins? Like, if they had Lillard uh, on the report, knows I was going to say if, Damian Lillard. if Lillard's so, on the roster, go. then I can understand the 50 and 32 prediction. But if Lillard is not going to be there, then that prediction they should be definitely below the Cavs. I feel like this is the same. This is four of the same top five from last year. We're just missing Philly, and we swapped it out for Miami. But Miami's not better than last year without Damian Lillard on that roster at the moment. No, I agree. They are not better, but like I said, they're basically <laughs> predicting that he's going to be there. Well, so. if that's the case, then I would even think that maybe they could be better than Boston because Boston is going to be good, but I feel like Chris Hotspur's... a good regular season team. Again, yes, but Chris Hotspur's has never been one to be healthy a lot either, so that's going to be interesting to see how healthy he is. No Marcus Smart. Anymore. Yeah, no Marcus Smart to anchor their defense on. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Jalen Brown's got the new contract. Hopefully that doesn't change the way he goes about his business because we know that happens a lot in sports. So, I, I mean, if Miami gets Lillard, I wouldn't be shocked if they're battling Milwaukee for the top seat. True. It's funny that you mentioned Jalen Brown. Remember that thing I sent you the other day? Uh, NBA 2K24 oh, yeah. rankings. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, overall 89 and he is the highest paid player in the NBA. That's so sad. I wonder. I did, I'm sure there's some stat we can find it. I wonder how many guys are ranked above him in the NBA 2K that are beginning paid less than him. Well, everybody. 
Well, that's true. I guess it would be everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody in the league. <laughs> does the extension kick in this year or does it kick in next year? Because technically it might yeah. not start yet. I think it's I think it's next year. So yeah, maybe technically. All right. not. Woo, so I'm not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess not. Uh, so yeah, so I can see. But moving on to the West. Which is the best. Best. Got the Lakers. Here is, and I'll give you the reason for uh, another certain thing that I did here. So, like literally the same giving records. it back to the Nuggets, they're saying a 52 and 30. They kind of have similar records. I was just going to say, it's the same numbers. Did I just trip out and look at two different no, things? No, Bleacher Report doesn't. <laughs> I guess, to my point, they don't want to put too much thought into it either. You know? They're kind of just giving a law of averages, I'm guessing, is what they're doing here. So, um, Having the Nuggets at top, Warriors and Suns are tied, giving the edge to the Warriors because – they're just more championship team. They've been there, you know. Uh, Suns are next. Lakers and the Grizz have the same warrior uh, record. Actually, they also include the Mavericks having the same record. But I left the Mavericks off because they didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah. And I put the Lakers up top because we beat the Grizzlies last year. So what do you think of this top five? Uh, I, report. I mean, I like it. I feel like Phoenix might be better than Denver. I feel like Denver losing uh, – Brown and Jeff Green is not, is going to be more of a loss than people think because they didn't really replace them. Although Braun or whatever the guy they have from Kansas, the rookie last year, played really well. So maybe he takes that guy's spot in the rotation and it's not a miss. But I still feel like it's so hard to defend a title in the NBA. There hasn't been a back-to-back champion, I think, since the Lakers back in, well, I guess technically been Miami in 11 and 12. Um, so, oh, yeah. or 12 and 13. So I no, don't think they're going to the win. Warriors. Oh, yeah, Dad, what am I thinking about? I just totally spaced on that with like that five-year domination. <laughs> just, they're, on, they're on my screen. I was like, oh, wait, didn't they win? <laughs> so, but again, but since then, unless you were the really good Warriors with, you know, the best team ever, uh, winning back-to-back just doesn't happen these days. So I, it's not that I don't expect Denver to be good, but I expect them to take a step back and be maybe like the three or four seed. Um, I really expect Phoenix to be good, and if not be the top seed, the Lakers hopefully be right there with them. And then Golden State, I'm just confused because I like the Chris Paul trade, but... I just wonder if they're going to have enough to last a whole season and make it to the top of the seeds like that and be a two or a one. I feel like they're going to be like a four or five. Are they now like the shortest team in the league or what? Yeah, they probably are because they only have like Kevon Looney. Although, don't be shocked if at some point somehow JaVale McGee ends up back there because he, I believe, is still a free agent and he knows that system well. So he would be able to be great in spurts like he always is. Yeah, true. So we'll have to see as the rest of the way. But I, I don't know. The, the Warriors thing with Chris Paul especially is really interesting to me. I don't know. It, it, does he start and then you stagger the rest of the way? Does he close out? Uh, is he the, like the leader of the second unit because Jordan Poole's no longer there and that was essentially his job? But does Chris Paul accept yeah. that? I just It's really interesting to see how that's all going to like fall itself out. If you're asking me what I would do, I'm putting Chris Paul on the bench, man. Then we have literally one of the – Steph, great floor general. Secondary unit, Chris Paul, great floor. I mean, that seems like a win-win. Honestly, if not, what's their starting lineup? Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. And Kevon Looney. And Kevon Looney. It's not with the shortest. I mean, I get that. I mean, geez, though. They have one through three is about six two. Yeah. And and Clay is still good, but ever since the injuries, he's not gonna and he's Hobbled. getting older. He's not the same defensively. So that means your best defensive player is still Draymond and Looney, obviously behind him, but the other three guys are not gonna be great defensively one on one. Steph's been better the last couple of years as far as like mm-hmm. trying and, and at least making things more at least a little harder for his uh, opponents than it had before. But I don't know, I just feel like that's a small team. So I'm with you. I would put Chris Paul as the second unit. And just let him run that thing because he's going to set everybody up because Steph can already do that on his own. 
And Chris Paul exactly. is an okay setup three point shooter, but I wouldn't think as good as obviously Clay would be. You mean like sitting in the corner, like spot up, just wait for yeah. the ball? Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I don't think he's doing that one either. Yeah. I think it'd be best if he was uh, utilized more as the point guard that he really is. So yeah, absolutely. The uh, <laughs> the other the point guard, though, is kind of a weird position right now. I know that the there's some news from one of the more popular point guards uh, and someone whose team is not on the top five, as you noticed, James Harden and the Sixers. Oh, my gosh. He said, what? Dude. In China? Dude, I cannot believe I. The fact that he said it was bad, but the fact that he did exactly what he did and said it a second time, go ahead and show that because that was ridiculous. This is nuts. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Dude, the, the craziest part not only is that he said it twice, but he said, let me say it again and let you know what I'm thinking. For the people in the back. Yeah, and then also because he's in China, it almost feels like the first time he said it, it took everyone a second to like translate because when he started to say it the second time, there was a lot more background noise of like, whoa, whoa, what? Like it almost like it took a second for people to register. He actually said that out loud at an event. like Not like with his buddies with a camera, like somebody accidentally recorded like John Morant status. Right. Like he actually <laughs> physically on purpose stood there, said that, said, let me repeat it to let you know what I'm thinking and said it again. Wow. I guess this is just like his way of forcing his way out. I right? I mean, Daryl Morey said, you know what? We're not going to trade you anymore. We decided that we couldn't find what we wanted and you're going to go ahead and play. And he's basically one up and saying, no, I'm no. not. <laughs> he's not doing that. He's not going with that plan. Yeah. He, he says right here that he's a liar, right? And doesn't trust him and all this kind of stuff. It all started basically from what I read on from an ESPN article uh, that he was maybe promised in the deal bringing him over that eventually he would be signed to uh max extension. And, you know, as much as we're showing highlights, there are low lights as well to James Harden, more specifically in the playoffs. So he is obviously not being offered that same max contract for obvious reasons. And um, I guess this is his way of kind of lashing out. There was a rumor though, <laughs> oh, this is great. I love this part. I don't know how true this is, but there was a rumor that one of the things that James Harden was upset about was going into the season, he had asked to make sure that they have pizza on Fridays <laughs> and that it started good and then basically throughout the season it just dwindled away. You think he's actually pissed off about pizza Fridays or is it the contract probably? God, I hope it's the contract, but if the pizza thing is true, that's hilarious. That's such a James Harden thing. Like, he wants this after-school lunch party every Friday after practice before. Like, come on, man. Like, what are we talking about here? And now, as far as you're talking about is there was an agreement maybe to an Mac extension. We got traded over there, but he had to wait until it was time. That that could have happened, but there's no signing of it or there's no, like, audio recording of a verbal agreement. So if it was something that was discussed in the room with all of them and it just never went beyond that... I mean, that, that talk, I'm sure this – actually, I think similar thing kind of was Chris Paul. When he got traded from the Clippers to the Rockets, there was one of those, like, we're going to sign you to an extension when it comes time. But then they ended up trading him to OKC and not doing that at all. So just because they were behind closed doors agreed upon maybe of an extension doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to happen when it comes time to put pen to paper. 
Exactly, especially if you don't earn it, dude. Let, let me read off what he did in the playoffs last year. I'm just going to leave it up to the to the Boston series because that's obviously the most important part. Again, he won them game one, okay? Went off for 45 points and finished at plus eight, okay? But he followed up game one with a game two of 12 points and a minus 21, Oh, okay? So doesn't get better. Game three has a, a whopping 16 points. For a minus 12. The only other game that he scored well in was game four with 42. Still ended up being a minus six. And then he decided to nicely close out game seven by putting up a a historic nine points with a minus 30 line. Oh, that last game was so bad. So bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, this goes back to his career in the playoffs. So we've look, everyone's talked about it. You look at the past, the Houston years when they played Golden State, they had the opportunity. They lost, they missed like what was it, twenty seven threes in a row? I think in that game seven as a team in Houston, and then that was the year that Chris Paul, you know, pulled his hammy. So that was part of it too. But in OKC, they couldn't get it done against the Heat in the finals. He is in Philly last year and literally disappears essentially in game seven based on those numbers you just gave me. Nine, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, I only need two hands. I, it's I still game have an extra seven. finger. It's game seven. Where are you at? You are our main guy. Max you and player. Embiid need to be carrying us. Max player, bro. He's worth max player, right? I just... No. I, that's why, I, as a as a Laker fan, I kind of hope he ends up in the Clippers just because it would be crazy to see them all together. Yeah. Okay. So what do... What does Harden do from here then? Well, when it comes time to training camp and stuff, he's going to have to report. He has no choice. Otherwise, like we looked up before, if he doesn't come because he's in the last year of his deal that he opted into and he ends up getting fined and losing all that money, doesn't he also lose the ability to go into free agency next year? So then you're really screwing yourself not only in the short term but in the long term. So does then he's done? This is what I'm saying. I say he's staying in China. (laughs) Why not? You know what I mean? Like he he he's made, he'll make money there. What other team? There's already teams that weren't willing to give up a ton to trade for him. Yeah. So what team is willing to try to figure out what Phillies? Because because I don't know exactly what this is part of the new CBA, so I don't know exactly what limitations Philly can put on his free agency. But who would want to have to deal with that? Just trying to get him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially the easier thing would be try to trade him, but. Also, that same team that might want him isn't willing to, you know, give up what they want in an appropriate number of people in Daryl Morey's eyes, yeah, or whatever picks or whatever to to get him. So, I I don't know. What did the Sixers do though? Well, the Sixers are going to do exactly what they're doing. They're going to wait James out because they can. It's ultimately it's going to be it's should it's going to be the same situation they were with in Ben with Ben Simmons in a couple years ago when he didn't want to report and he said he was injured and didn't want to show up, so he didn't. They fined him for not showing up, and eventually they traded him when they got the deal they wanted, which actually was for Harden, kind of funnily. Um, but if you think about <laughs> it, like Harden's not going to get what he wants until Daryl Morey gets what he wants. So if ultimately James wants to go to the Clippers, then. Maury's going to wait it out, and maybe he does. Okay, if you're hard and you have to at least show up and report to camp and have a discussion with the team, right? You can't not show up and start getting fined to lose all that money and he screw said, yourself like we talked about. He said the relationship is done. Agreed. He doesn't have to. That's what I'm saying. He's not going to play a game for them in this scenario. My scenario is, is go meet with them okay. and basically say, look, I'm not going to play another minute with you guys until and I want to be traded. And until that happens, I'm not going to be here, but I want to get paid. So they're going to do kind of like – 
was, I think Oklahoma City did with Danny Green a couple years ago or Memphis, where he was on the team from like the from start of the season until the trade deadline, and then they traded him somewhere else or Andre Iguodala when he was in Memphis and eventually got traded. Yeah. To Miami, like gotcha. they could basically pay him to go away. So like John Wall, then, right? Yes, yeah, same situation. Yeah, <laughs> in Houston, go yeah. away, sit down, we'll pay you, and then once we find the deal that we want, we will trade you. And then at that point, whether it's with the Clippers or not, James is going to have to play because I don't think that team's going to trade for him and agree to the same situation. Yeah, then guarantee a max contract or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I'm the Sixers, wait it out. You have all the leverage, especially with the new CBA rule that not only makes it to where he has to report in 30 days, but you can hinder or somehow inhibit his free agency freeness yeah. in this next offseason. So I just let him miss the whole season. I don't know what Daryl Morey lied about. I don't know if it's just the contract or if it's the pizza and the contract or if it was just the pizza. I, don't know. <laughs> I'm, I think the pizza's pretty important to, to James Harden. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the I'm pizza. saying, fuck it, wait it out, dude. Wait it out. Keep the money. Let him miss the whole season. And... I say he's. Uh, I say he his free agency is hindered. His only option might be China. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, Dwight Howard, who's playing in Taiwan, has already reached out and tried on Instagram to tell James <laughs> to stay, and it's just a, sw- a short flight from there to Taiwan. So maybe he'll just end up there playing with uh, Dwight, and then they can just make a boatload of money and score a bunch of points and win games that ultimately don't matter as don't far matter. as yeah when it comes to real competition. So I know this is a random question t- tying back to the last episode or two episodes ago where we talk about the NBA and the Hall of Fame. Since it's a basketball Hall of Fame, now maybe he gets in already because of what he's done in the NBA, but do we include James Harden's China stats for, <laughs> for Hall of Fame consideration? Uh, he's dropping 100 points a game. Do we like, wow, this guy's the best player I think, ever. You I think you're right that he's already going to probably be in regardless, so that's not going to be a problem. But yeah, I mean – it's just basketball Hall of Fame. It's not NBA Hall of Fame, so you include international play, right? In the Olympics, yep. anywhere else. Maybe Starbury right. should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame for all the stuff he did in China. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess if that's uh, what it needs to be, that's what it needs to be. Yeah, you never know. Um, Going to a different country and just dominating like that makes you uh, almost like a king over there sometimes. So you have to include that in that, uh, I guess, looking at their career as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Uh, other people dominating recently, Team USA, USA, dude, USA. Not only dominating, doing work in these like preseason games, essentially for some of these NBA players. This is awesome, dude. So much work, 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 uh, work, hard work, dude. So, anyways, they beat Puerto Rico. <laughs> that was our little dance party that we had to have. Uh, beat that. Puerto Rico by forty three. I mean. One seventeen seventy four, you know, and it's weird too because I keep seeing I keep seeing more highlights of Anthony Johnson like doing uh, like good defensive plays, which is not normally his thing. So the fact that he's scoring and doing great, and now he's actually playing some defense, I think in the long run Minnesota is going to end up getting some you know benefits out of this. Yeah, uh, Anthony uh, Edwards. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Anthony Johnson. Anthony Edwards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cam Johnson, though, is also doing work. In, in that first game, they both put up 15. And, dude, Anthony Edwards looks like a beast, man. Uh, he's been tearing it up. So, uh, I, to your point, Minnesota's looking like they're – I mean, we all knew he had some talent, so it's not like it was that – far-fetched for him to be this good but they do look good they do look good yeah uh, after after they beat puerto rico they played slovenia 
Now they did play Slovenia without Luca. Well, yeah, he had to he had to dodge uh, Austin Reeves, right? He didn't want to play against him. I don't blame him. Hey, bro, come <laughs> on, dude. of course, dude, he's gonna get freaking owned. Man. Austin, baby, AR fifteen. Let's go. He's not right now. If he's not fifteen, or is he fifteen in the Olympics? I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but uh, they won by thirty, uh, ninety-two to sixty-two, and Anthony also led again with fifteen points. So. They're just rolling. They rolled on. To, uh, they beat Spain, actually number one team in the world, ranked by FIBA. Yeah, they won by 10, 98-88. So Brunson, Jalen Brunson did work, though. Dropped 29 on them. Dude, Brunson Nuts. has been on a tear since that last playoff run with Dallas and then going into his New York year last year. I feel like he's finally found his game and has just taken over. And for a guy who's that small, obviously you don't know how long it's going to last, but to be now dominating Olympics and – a lot of these guys that play in the Olympics like this always tend to have a good season going into the NBA following it. So I'm expecting Brunson and the Knicks to have another good year based on how he's playing already in this tournament. So his Bleacher Report got him fourth uh, in the standings uh, at the end of the season. So, yeah, and they go on to win this game uh, that we're watching here, the Greece game by, I think, 22. Jesus. So they are they're 4-0 uh, in the pre, pre-World FIBA World Cup games this one was played in abu dhabi they have one more against germany in abu dhabi and then they uh move on to the actual world cup time for the games to start start counting oh yeah they're gonna win i I mean i know everyone going into this tournament before like all these pre ones was thinking like usa doesn't have any big name players not very good but also at the same time they have guys who play basketball as a team and at the end of the day that's usually how you're going to win these games especially when it comes to like the FIBA actual like tournament or whatever. So I don't see any issues if they can keep playing like this, especially if they're playing defense as a team as they are. And with Steve Kerr, their coaching, I don't anticipate that to be a problem. No, they're swarming, dude. They're everywhere. Active hands. They're fast. In the game against Puerto Rico, they had 10 blocks and 10 steals. <laughs> In the game against Slovenia, they had 13 steals and five blocks and held them the entire game to only 37% shooting. In Spain, in the game against Spain, sorry, they held them to 42% shooting, and they themselves shot 66%. Could not be stopped. Whoa. Could not be stopped. So they are literally rolling into this tournament. I hope they make it. I believe we do. Unless something terrible were to happen. Knock on wood. I'm not even (laughs) going to mention anything. I don't know what would be terrible. But unless something terrible would be happen, I'm thinking we had this one. Yeah, I don't see any issue. Um, Like you said, the defense, if that's the defense they're playing – then they're just going to dominate this tournament because that's what it all comes down to. And it's weird because a lot of these other countries, their teams play together for multiple months or during the year as like just a normal thing. But uh, the USA players get thrown together for a a couple weeks for a training camp after their season's over, and then they go to play. So the fact that they're playing defense that well already means it's going to only get better the more games they play together. So again, Anthony Edwards playing defense is only going to help Minnesota. means Austin Reeves is going to have a better year Mm -hmm. with uh, the Lakers as well. Mm -hmm. So... Let's I'll get, get it. it. I'm so in, man. I'm so in. So they start the World Cup play against New Zealand, Greece, and Jordan. Those are their first three games. I'm guessing that's the pool play, probably. Uh, they're playing in Manila. So, uh, well, I don't think uh, Antetokounmpo is playing for Greece, right? Because isn't he not healthy enough to get through that before the season? Yeah, so. he's right here, number forty-three. Oh, is he really playing? Oh, I thought I heard he wasn't going to play for Greece. Yeah, Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that who you're talking about? No, that is not. I, oh, you mean I didn't realize Giannis, his brother was the even... MVP world champion. Guy. Are, oh, both, yeah, are no, the no, other two playing. brothers playing instead of just the one? 
I think it's only him. I okay. think it's the only the gentleman. Man, you got me. I was yeah. like, man, I could have swore I heard it. He wasn't playing because he was hurt. But no, I, I knew forgot about the brother. Said, but, I was, but I was watching this game last night. And when I had to do a double take when they said Antetokounmpo, I said, wait a minute. <laughs> yacht in the, but it was just the, the other Antetokounmpo. Is that the one that Five played for the Lakers? Brothers, no. Oh, it's the one, the one that was for the Lakers is a younger one. The oh, one okay. that's playing is, is Giannis's older brother. Oh, that's the one who's on the Bucks with him then? Yes. Okay, gotcha. So FanDuel has uh, the United States as heavy, heavy favorites. Uh, when I looked last night, they were at a minus 130. So Surprise betting 130. Huh? Surprise it's not higher. Yeah, betting $130 nets you 100 bucks. So you got to kind of bet over. The next closest team, there's three tied at plus 950. So a $100 bet wins you $950 is France, Canada, and Australia. Ooh. To note... World number one ranked Spain is at a plus sixteen hundred. I think they're sixth favorites in the in the cup. So, I mean, the numbers show we've got pretty much in the bag. So yeah, just go and play the games and make the shots. Play the defense. And that sounds like a good plan. Come man. On with just gold. Take care of business and get the get the gold and move on to the NBA season and get those guys healthy through that. Because I know when Kuzma did this the last time that he came out of it with a foot injury and then kind of screwed up the season to start. So hopefully they just all get through it and win, get out healthy and get into the NBA all of schedule. Them yeah, everywhere. Yep. Not just not just Austin Reeves. Everybody on the team. No, 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 no. But the ultimate goal is for them to you know win that cup or win that medal and get the gold out of that title out of that tournament, and then uh, head back home. Which then we got another World Cup for the women. We talked about did not go very well. Obviously, they got nah. knocked out in the first uh, stage of uh, elimination. But now there's uh, the coach is no longer there. They decided. Uh, he, well, I should say he decided to resign. I don't know if that's actually what happened or it's one of those like, hey, you resign or we fire you. But uh, Vlatko Andonovitsky resigned on Wednesday um, after they decided, you know, it wasn't a good tournament showing and we need to get a better direction under under control for us. Yeah, uh, I think it was mutual in the sense that he did resign, but USA Soccer made sure to note that it was a mutual parting of ways. So... If he didn't resign, they were probably going to fire him anyway. See, so, that's that was exactly uh, my thought. It, exactly, exactly. He managed the team for four years. He oversaw arguably the – well, not arguably. It is the worst performance in U.S. Women's World Cup history. We didn't even make – like I said, every single time we've gotten a bronze or better. Yeah. This one, we didn't even make it to one of the places to be on the podium. Uh, he also was the coach when we came in third place in the Tokyo Olympics, even though we were favored to win that one too. So maybe it's just time to kind of move on. I don't know if it's him or the team or a combination of all of it, but well, like they, they really say, when, look, and they look look soon. Well, like they say, when the things when things don't work, you can't fire the whole team or get rid of the whole team. It's easier to get rid of the coach or the manager and kind of get a new voice at there at the top. So I think that's a big part of it. And I don't know for me, I don't know what the normal amount of time for a uh, international head coach like that for a women's or men's team, but I feel like four years is not very long. That's basically only one tournament to uh, have coached a in instead of multiples. So I think it's, I don't know if what, again, what the normal is, but it seems kind of short for me. Yeah, I agree. I, for, I mean, I know they play a lot during those four years. It's not like they just practice for four years. Obviously. No, There's true, but again, it's. I feel like world, you want to give, yeah, yeah, give them an opportunity for the big tournaments at least twice. But unless it goes really bad, like this one did, I guess you only get one shot. Yeah, well, they need to find one soon because speaking of those big tournaments, the Paris Olympics are coming up uh, in one year. They start in July of 2024. 
and they don't even have a coach. So right now, apparently the assistant coach, Twyla Kilgore, is kind of being tapped as the interim head coach. We'll see as long as I think the only thing pending is that USA Soccer kind of buys off on it. So uh, we'll see if that happens. But that's the the gist of it so far is that they Man, they uh, yeah. they better get a coach fast if they got a tournament or make a decision if it's going to be the coach that's already there. As you said, like if it's less than a year away to get ready for that and. It did not go well. There's got to be some changes, and and we already talked about Julie Ertz and Rapino retired, so there's more fluctuation coming in the roster between now and next year in the Olympics. So sure. they better get a plan situated now, because otherwise it's going to be rough next year as well, or next year in the tournament. And then the talk will be: Is USA Women's Soccer like done? Yeah, is it, did they have no their run? The is, yeah, yeah, is it over? Well, I mean, they are the teams that they were playing. They obviously beat them. It's not like we lost because the coach is bad. No offense, you know what I mean. I'm not. I don't. There's no way. I get that changes have to be made and things need to be done, but there's no way that you could put this on the coach. Not obviously, at least entirely. So, yeah, I think they need to, you know, kind of get their ducks in a row and kind of figure it out themselves as well. Take some self accountability. How do they? How do they fare in Paris, man? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do very well, to be honest. I think that having the short period of time on a turnaround from one with the coaching situation and, again, with the flexion of the roster and everybody just getting better as far as women's soccer is concerned, that I don't know if they're going to even place and get a medal, depending on how the, the groups all kind of come out of there. I couldn't agree more. I It doesn't look good, even though, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm curious to see who will be the favorites, the betting favorites, at least? Do we come back in, or is it Spain who's or, or Whoever, England who yeah. play in the Cup? You know, does the winner of the World Cup maybe comes in as a favorite? It's only a year away, obviously. So there's a lot on the line, especially since they have, there's a lot of pride in American soccer, at least for the women's part, because we're trying to become a more global, uh, you know, we're trying to become a, a global power, I guess, in the soccer in the soccer realm. Yeah. And the women are the most dominant we've got, so... If we're falling back there too, man, we're just, we're just falling behind. Yeah, yeah, then the soccer thing that we had going for a while is over. So, which yeah, you know, we're getting it, a lot of players back to us though. I mean, yeah, the Messi's are coming over. He's bringing his friends. Yep. So maybe maybe it just begins to kind of elevate by MLS gets bigger because kids got to watch it on TV to want to yeah. play it all their lives, et cetera, kind of thing. So as yeah. it gets bigger and stuff, you know, basically the things that are on are football, basketball, baseball. And a little well, bit of hockey. But. Part of it too is is when we do get these World Cups or international tournaments of like soccer, they're at weird hours. Like the final for the women's yeah. this weekend is at three AM our time on Sunday. So Spain and England are, yeah. So Spain and England are gonna battle, but by the time we wake up it's already gonna be long over and I'm already gonna have a thing on my phone that tells me whoever won by this and I got everything I need to know. I don't need to see any highlights probably at that point unless it's something crazy like the US loss. What are you telling me? You're not going to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, you? no, I, that's not my plan. I wasn't. <laughs> me either. But, uh, yeah, Spain is favored, but barely. They're at minus 118. And England is coming in as the underdog, but they're not really underdog. They're at even money at plus 100. So, yeah. You got anybody you think wins? I'm I just don't. Gonna pick. I'm just going to go Spain. Spain. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah, say it just because. Favored, I guess, yeah. Uh, since we're not watching, I guess it won't matter too much. But. Yeah, well, well, we'll update on Monday when we do our podcast. We'll tell you guys who won and how awesome the yeah, game exactly. was, even though we didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch some highlights. That way I can kind of kind of fill you guys in on, yeah, on what sure. happened uh, previously. <laughs> That'll be the best so way to in, do it. Exactly, exactly. Sticking stick with the previousness, that wraps up our, our current topics as we move into this week in sports history. Let's get the, uh, Let's get that segment started. Let's go. 
This week in sports history. So this week in sports history, I couldn't actually decide. <laughs> I needed to pick a handful of things. It was actually kind of crazy how many things happened this week uh, in previous years. So I'll briefly run them down, some of the ones that I thought were pretty, pretty interesting. On August 13th of 2016, Michael Phelps officially ended his career at the Rio Olympics with a record 23 gold medals. Not medals, gold medals. Yeah. Yeah. Next day, August 14th, actually of the same year, 2016, Usain Bolt became the first human to capture three straight 100-meter titles at the Olympics. He won them in the 2008 Beijing, 2012 London, and then he, the cap was 2016 in Rio. The very next day, August 15th, although back in 2007, not 2016, former NBA referee Tim Donaghy pleads guilty to felony charges for taking cash payoffs from gamblers and betting on games that he officiated. So I thought I just had to include all of them because I couldn't decide on which one was a better one. So uh, let me, what, what's your take? Pick one and give me your take on one. Uh, well, I'm going to take the Donahue one if I have to pick one thing because that thing is crazy. <laughs> uh, I watched the Untold documentary about it. I listened oh. to there's like a six or seven episode podcast that's about it and interviews all different kinds of people that were involved. The Untold one, the documentary on Netflix, though, interviews him himself and Ooh. some of the people that were involved with him that did it. And it's mm-hmm. very – like he fixed games, but it wasn't like he fixed them to win or lose. It was more of like the over-unders and like – different like weird kind of points if i remember correctly but it's still not obviously a, a loud or a normal thing right, to do yeah. but should be that it's way, just yeah. like kind of crazy that he got away with it as long as he did and then how long maybe, was it do you think like how long did it there's a couple years that it went on and i <laughs> and, and but what it, it always comes back to like you know how we talk about when chris paul has i think it's scott foster's an nba he's like referee he's like oh. one in 17 like there are certain like things against certain players and coaches or teams that come out and i don't think it's necessarily on purpose but Donahue stuff was, and man, is it interesting about how it all went down and who would text who about what they needed and how much to bet. Because they would find out, like, oh, somebody's not playing, so the the, the numbers are going to swing, so make the bet now before they do. Oh. Like insider info almost. It's it's really interesting and crazy how far it went and how far and how long, it, long it went on. Dang. That's yeah, pretty crazy. Sh- I'm That's surprised you haven't stuff. watched the documentary yet. You should watch it. No, I will now. Thanks a lot. It's the same people I'm told. It's some same people that did the the Johnny Manziel one that we just watched. The Untold people. Okay, cool. And that was good too. Yeah, they do some good stuff. It's so bad for the sport when stuff like this happens, obviously, because people already kind of believe that leagues like the NBA and the NFL are kind of rigged. So when you have the people officiating the games literally taking money to change or alter the outcome, even if it's a little bit, it's still messes with people's thoughts about how legitimate the game might be yeah and there's so much money involved in the sports world in general between tv contracts and tickets and marketing and pr and just all the money that comes into it so the fact that there's even an opportunity for somebody to maybe screw all that up on the back end doing something that's definitely not allowed and shouldn't be even thought about is crazy but again that he got away with it as long as he did yeah i agree so the one that i take um is uh phelps uh like I've been talking about, uh, I mentioned at the beginning, I, I like to swim. I've been swimming for a while. So I remember watching this guy because obviously he was you know, kind of popular when I was just about in high school and then a little bit out of high school. And 
dude's amazing. He's a, a fish. He's just so <laughs> fast and he's so good at, at all different types of, of swim strokes. So he was just dominant. Obviously the, the career medal says it 23 career, just gold. Uh, that doesn't include any of the ones that he placed, obviously second or third. Yeah. Um, just a great, great guy. Solo, great guy. Team. It just, just killed it in the water. I remember watching one, one of the years, I think it was Beijing when Kobe was playing. I remember watching, seeing Kobe in the stands, just like rooting him on. So yeah, that's that kind of cool definitely, to see like two goats. I think that was the 08 redeem team that like the Kobe, that Lakers uh, Kobe was a part of and LeBron, they all went to like different other sporting events of USA people to like, you know, support them and they would come support the NBA or the basketball, the NBA team, the basketball team during their plays as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So I'm uh, sorry, everybody. I couldn't narrow it down to one, but I think <laughs> all three of these were pretty good. So it kind of gives a little bit different sports as well. So yeah, two technically happened in one event in the, in the Olympics. True. So it's kind of just two. So different uh, it's things. only two things. Yeah. See, thank you. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> thank you. Don't make me look so bad. That's, that's perfect. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. So yeah, but that uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, this one. Yeah, for our topic. A lot today. of stuff on this one. Yeah, we went long today, uh, more so than I expected. But, you know, when there's a lot to talk about, then we're just going to keep it rolling. Exactly. I'm excited. I'm so excited for football and basketball season. So I was obviously just kind of rambling about that. So yeah. Which, yeah. Any I mean, uh, plans? Speaking of football though, I think uh, we talked about, we're going to do our AFC and NFC prediction episodes. Here yes. Shortly. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. So uh, that's what we'll be doing this weekend besides trying to survive the <laughs> tropical <Hillary>. storm. <laughs> Next week's episodes will be completely football related as we get closer and closer and through the preseason uh we're going to be doing on tuesday we're going to be doing our nfc recap we're going to look into the teams and what they've got we're going to make some predictions on at least divisions and stuff like that and then the same is going to hold true for friday's episode where we'll be covering the afc we know that there's a lot to talk about a lot of good teams and so we want to kind of separate it so we don't drag on too long but also we're able to cover as much as we can Yep, exactly. We want to make sure we have enough time to cover it all and, like you said, not jam it in and make it feel like it's rushed. We want to take our time and really go through it all. And then part of that, when we end the last, uh, the one of the second episode of the conferences, we will probably wrap up with your uh, betting thing that we talked about as well, about which conferences ah. and who we think is going to win each division, which hopefully by then I'll have my uh, parlay bet in as well so we can kind of go back and forth and see who has the better opportunity. Okay, well, to note... Your car parlay is going to be taken, uh, you know, <laughs> the last week of August. My parlay was put in. I chose these uh, the second week of March. Yeah, of your, your numbers, your odds, like just ended. Yeah, your odds might be a little better for some teams compared to mine. But well, wait. no, I'm just talking about <laughs> my predictions might be crazy because I was just going with craziness. I had, I mean, Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the Jets yet. That's All sorts true. of stuff hadn't, hadn't happened yet, so I was just kind of flying with the wind. Um, but I'm still pretty confident in some of my picks. I feel like I, uh, I might be able to keep up with you. But, yeah, excited to start the NFL stuff next next week. So looking forward to it. Yeah, but absolutely. Any plans besides that stuff? No? Chilling? No, I'm working tomorrow, just a uh, store, and then uh, chilling Sunday. But, again, like like everybody else here in SoCal, we're just going to do our best and hunker down. And hopefully it's just uh, some crazy amount of rain for a couple hours. I heard something about three inches in six hours or so. Like, it's going to be Jeez. coming down. It's something so. we haven't experienced. Yeah, it's going to be something crazy. So, no, I'm just going to be trying to survive Sunday, I guess. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, same. Same here. So, excited for next week, though. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget to tune in, everybody. Heck Football yeah. you too. back. Again, now that we're on YouTube, don't forget to search YouTube if you're listening to the Spotify version. YouTube, our view of the our view from the bench is our channel, and we have our episode from last week where we kind of introduced ourselves up there, and then we'll have this episode up as well. 
Got any comments or anything to say? Throw them in the comments. We'll definitely reply. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, But, yeah, other than that, from our Freeman from the Bench, I'm Brendan. And I'm Corey. And like we always say, enjoy the sports until we talk again. Peace. This was a Sycamore 4th Studios production.